Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, truly excited to have uh, the OG and my first original mentor who got me out of the fucking horrible nine to five situation and the grind that I was stuck in within the UK real estate industry, which is Mr. Mark Coles. So thank you very much. Charlie, thank you for having me. Actually, funnily, <laughs> thinking back to like four or five years ago, us both sitting here in Dubai is it's a very... Mad, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and it's home. Yeah, for both of us now. That's crazy. In fact, I just got my Emirates card. So that's, okay. that's a pretty cool thing. Um, I said to Marcia the other day, I was like, uh, wow, this is, this is pretty official. So it's very exciting that we're both in Dubai doing it here. Now, going into um, initially in terms of how a lot of like, online trainers and people coming into the industry now, and I think there's a lot of things going on within the world. What's the big thing you see a lot of trainers making in terms of mistakes right now? Because there's a lot of people dropping the ball with a lot of things. I think a lot of people getting scammed, getting pulled into um, different ways to acquire clients or even providing really poor customer service and training ability, which I know is one of the big things. You hold a really high standard to everyone who works with you within your mentorship program and also your trainers who work for your M10. Mm. Do you have any advice on that? I think there's a couple of things just for any younger coaches watching this. Um, yes, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of, you know, this whole era where we went through where it was like everyone's a body transformation coach. Everybody is a uh, bodybuilding coach, prep coach. And then people would message when I was doing physique development and they would say, oh, I'm working with this coach. I'm not doing very well. And I was like, due diligence. Have you done your research? Have you had a look? Of course, they may have won a show. But have you looked at the backstory of that person's business? And I think that, um, you know, the shiny object syndrome is uh, uh, it's a real thing. And people say, oh, social media is to blame. TV was to blame before social media. Movies were to blame because everything everything in marketing is designed to exaggerate everything to capture our attention. It does it to me. It will do it to you. You know it always does it all the time. And I'm like, yes. You know, my mum is forever messaging me saying, oh, she's asked me to do it here. You know, oh, I've seen these uh, supplements. They're fantastic. I was like, out of the Telegraph? And she went, yeah, but they're great. And I'm like, mum slow down and have a look at really where it's coming from because it's marketing. So not that marketing is a bad thing, but I think you need to do your due diligence because when you're going to hire a mentor, when you're going to do anything, you know, the likes of myself and you, 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 we're not cheap and we're not cheap for a very good reason because there's a, there's a backstory in a lot of journey. There's tens and tens of thousands of money that's gone in years and, and money that's gone into education. So I think due diligence is taking your time to research and look for people because yes, there's body transformation coaches that haven't got history. Yes, there's bodybuilding coaches that haven't got a lot of history. But if you're going to invest yourself, you know, do your due diligence and just see if there's actually a trail and a, and a history of somebody being able to do that for a long time because Something I talked about this to somebody the other day was I, I truly do believe, in, especially in the digital space, you know, there's a, there's a lot of maturing that you have to do to be able to command a presence. I think the future, even right now, and I say the future, right now it's still the thing. To me, brand building is everything. To me, brand building is everything. It's taken me 23 years. I was talking to Marshall last night. You know, my, my accumulation of wealth throughout my life probably has happened in the last three to four years. I expected it to be in the last 15 years in my head right now. But one of the biggest voids in my life so far has actually been being recognized. It wasn't 
that I didn't have enough money. I came, I come from a very successful family. So my, my void in my life was never money. It was always being in the shadow of my dad. And I wanted to create my own identity, my own individual being. So I just became obsessed with, can I become the best known trainer in the county, city, country, and then can I get a reputation around the world? So I wasn't obsessed with wealth. I was obsessed with reputation. And what that ended up doing was helping me build a brand because it became about the personal brand. It became my standards, my systems, my customer service, and what people perceived me as was way more important to me than anything else. So I think that I spent 15, 16 years doing that. Even though I made a lot of money on the way, it just all went back into education and how to develop my brand and marketing. And I wasn't as obsessed with the the financial return. Maybe... I'm not even going to look back and say I wish it was any different because I'm grateful to be where I am right now. But I don't think fitness professionals coming into this world are considerate of the brand aspect, the personal brand aspect. So one is due diligence if you're going to look at somebody and say, have they built something of substance? Is there any depth to it or is it all superficial? And is there a brand? So what are they known for? What is the backstory of their of their their journey? Because I mean, I'll say this till the day I die. I know ninety percent of business problems are personal development problems. Ninety percent of physique problems are personal development problems. Ninety percent of weight loss problems are personal development problems. And if your coach has not been through that journey themselves and either studied personal development, I know you love personal development. And I think that a true mentor and a true coach is not a coach unless that is an arm of their skill set to help somebody change, not to force somebody to change, but to facilitate somebody's ability to change. Because I even spoke to one of the guys we worked with yesterday. I said, you were making 6K a month and we got you up to 12, but now you reverted back to six. And I was reading Ed Milet's book. I was about to bring this up, the thermostat. Thermostat. Yeah. And I said to him yesterday, now I've never regarded it as a thermostat, right? And, uh, Frank kindly messaged me and said, you've got to read this. So flight, read, I do it. When everyone says read a book, read a book. And uh, I was the thermostat. I always used to look at it as your your current self by and your future self. And when he talked about the thermostat, he was basically saying, you're always going to revert back to the, the level that you believe yourself to be, as opposed to stepping up, changing the thermostat and changing your self-belief, your self-worth. And I said to this guy, the reason you're back at six is not because of lead gen, it's not because of outreach, it's not because of anything else. It's because you believe you're worth 6K. And so you got up to 11 or 12, you can't, you struggle to stay there, so you revert back to what's easy. And he was like, holy crap, we didn't think about that. So that's where, I know it's kind of come round in a full circle for you, but, you know, brand building, personal development are two things that I think that fitness professionals now they don't like it because it's not sexy, but it's necessary. I also think the issue with that people don't understand is that it's not quick. And there's a saying like, and it's like reps build a reputation. So it's the same in terms of building a physique. Like it takes a certain amount of time to build your biceps. You're not going to add an inch yeah. to your arms in three months. You're not going to gain a million followers on social media within three months. Like these things take time. But when you put in the effort and the reps, they will compound for you forever once you continually like stack yeah. them on top of each other. And it's the same in terms of like, skills and learning um different skills connections and networking like all these things start to combine them which like bounce off each other and like the way i try and explain it, it's like a flywheel where you start to throw these things into the mix the flywheel starts to go faster and faster and yeah, faster yeah, yeah, and that's where you get like that gravitational effect where everything then just suddenly explodes do you ever think that those times when you go in the gym i had one of them this morning 
where you sit on the shoulder press and you go, I'm doing this again. And, and I sometimes have that feeling where I'm like, I'm doing this again, or I'm repeating myself over and over. And um, if you've ever had that thought in the gym, it's very normal because it's just the repetitive feeling of doing something that you aren't doing anything slightly different. Maybe you're pushing an extra rep, maybe you're adding a little bit more weight, but it's the same machine, it's the same angle, and you're just trying to get a bit better at it. And I think that from a business perspective, everyone's, they don't see the correlation because I think you mentioned this the other day, I think you made a post a while ago, you want to be good at everything. And that fascinates me too. Now I'm 45 now and uh, I'm very proud of the body I've got. I'm very proud of uh, the work that I do every single day. I'm very proud of the relationship I have and I'm multifaceted in, 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 you know, I don't have a lot of time for the stuff that wastes my time because I'm too busy perfecting all the other areas that mean a lot to me. And, um, you know, I think that's another big thing with fitness professionals. Like, they don't look at the training and go, this training has such a huge carryover to business. It's, 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 it's insane. It's just a different form. It's the same thing for it's me. It's exactly the same. You know, and if, I, if, I'm, if I'm giving up at training, I'm giving up in business. And if I give up on my relationship, I'm giving up at business. And if I give up on my education and research and knowledge and skills, I'm giving up on everything else. But one of the biggest things about my body is that my body got me here today. My body got me in reputation. It got me in magazines. It got me in front of people. Got you and I to meet. You know, all these things. So if it got me here, it's going to get me through the next phase as well. But at the same time, it's also led me into business. It's always led me into connections. And I just think a lot of trainers, fitness professionals are very short-sighted in the fact that, you know, we see a lot on social media. It's not about muscles, not about being shredded. Like, <laughs> I was going to say, dude, whoever's listening to this, watching this, right, you have no idea how much your life changes when you look in the mirror and go, oh my God, you went on stage recently. You looked insane. And you have a, incredibly successful business but you made time but you look and go i'm proud of my wow that's insane i'm on an amazing stage with amazing athletes but i just think that i know there's room in your life to do everything i just think you're wasting your time on so much shite that that the things that you know will complement the rest of your life you just don't give any attention to you know and i know you just you and me share the same thing here it's like you know just go all in on everything um, but everything that's going to help you to get ahead. Do you know what I mean? One thing I remember someone saying to me is like, you can't be a millionaire and have a great body or be really successful and say fitness and other things like that. When I people say something to me like, you can't do that, it's like, why? Mm -hmm. like, for me, it's like, I want to prove them wrong because like, for example, like you talk about like being in great shape and competing. So I, I competed in two shows recently. It got a bit hard to the end. I'm not going to lie. I was not sleeping a lot, taking a lot of caffeine. It was wonderful. But one of the things that people don't understand is that whether I compete or not, I'm still going to the gym five times a week. I'm still eating basically the same food, maybe slightly less. So it's probably like 10% effort more to then get a massive reward and another like achievement, another part of fulfillment in my life and another mm. story to tell. And that's where I think people cut themselves short because they're not willing to put in the extra 10% to then have another story to tell, have another bit about them. Like the amount of people who message me afterwards say like, you're sick, I can't believe you did that in such a short period of time. I didn't even know you were interested in this. Like it's incredible. And that's why I think people cut themselves off where they don't believe they can do something because they create their own lies to cop out that they can't do something. Do you know what? It's funny you're saying this, right? Um, I always say at the other end of effort is another version of you. 
And I think as we go through our lives, we create multiple versions of us. One thing that fascinates me and one thing we teach in our programs, it's less, of course, marketing and lead gen and all the stuff is very, very important to building a successful business. But high performance for me is essential. It's a muscle, like you said earlier, that I love watching athletes and I love seeing what athletes do. And when you become a high performer in sports, whether it's bodybuilding, athletics, not just dilly-dallying around, like high performer, switched on, progress focused, focused, but doing 10x more than everybody else. The high performance habits and skills that have been researched and studied worldwide, when you're living like that, you end up achieving a life that is far beyond your wildest dreams. And when you listen to athletes and they say, I did have to sacrifice this. I did have to not spend time here, but I have this right now. And people are watching this day in, day out, seeing people that have sacrificed to win the Olympics. I think, and I know there's a small percentile in the world that will reach this kind of level, but this is the game I want to play. I know there's a top 1% to 2% in the world that will be able to keep a body, keep a business, have a beautiful relationship, end up in a place like this. I'm not going to be, it's not egotistical of me to say, it's no frigging surprise I'm here. It's no frigging surprise you're there. Because just look at the things that you do every single day and the habits that you have and the expectations that you have. I mean, I remember going back as a kid, you know, I bought a BMW 330 when I couldn't afford it. Why? Because it stretched me. I live a life that stretches me at every opportunity. I arrived in Dubai having not completed on my house. No exchange. I've got a house being built in Dubai. I did that. It stretched me. It challenged me. You've just done a bodybuilding show on top of having a big business. It's a stretch. I said to people when we were in our event recently in Dubai, I was like, where's the stretch? Where's the thing that's pushing you, you know, stretching the relationship, stretching your business, stretching your training, you know, stretching your education. You know, to me, when you watch what high performers do, there is always an element of stretch. There's something outside their comfort zone. And that's where I think that, you know, there is room for, there's room for anybody to become one of the two, three percent. I'm not trying to be two, three percent to just forget everybody else in the world. I think everybody's very, very valuable. But I know that there's so many people that want more. They're just not prepared to stretch. And I think that training is one of those things that once you become in great shape, you'll realize anything's possible. And then suddenly you stop training with mediocre people and you start hanging around with people that train hard. Then in business, if you stretch and start start going another 5K a month, 10K a month, you start studying and learning from people and having a network of friends that are doing more than you. And your life just suddenly starts to become more enriched and more fulfilled. I think the word for me is, you know, stretch yourself. Fulfillment, you know, Somebody who said to me at home, are you happy in London? Oh, I love London. I love London. I'm fulfilled in London. But am I 100% happy? And that's one of the reasons I'm here. Because I feel that if you actually question yourself boldly and bravely, do you have everything that you want right now? I guess, I guarantee the answer will be no. But I don't think the whole point, I think of a, a man, as you, but you're always looking to progress and be better. So you should never have everything you want. I think you want, we crave everything. You, you crave everything because you want more. Which but, but is we're uh, always going to do that. Which right? is a, a superpower in a lot of respects. But you also have to understand how to control it. Because I found that sometimes where 
I can sometimes get too over aggressive with trying to do things and it almost backfires me sometimes. I think it's sometimes understanding to look at like the bigger picture of things and maybe where you've come from to where you are now rather than trying to like throw the kitchen sink into stuff. And I did that at the start of the year with a lot of things and I was in a difficult situation personally, which really threw me under the bus. And that um I think affected me a lot. What would you say to people in terms of from a mindset point of view when they're they're going through something difficult or they're struggling right now, whether it's been their business training relationships, how to keep on course? First and foremost, I think you've got to stop and be introspective and look at the lesson that's being taught to you. Um, we talked about this one in Dubai. Like I, I've gone through probably the hardest year of my business life. And personally, I'd, I'd say, not in a relationship, my wife and I are in an amazing position, always have been. But, um, you know, I think when, uh, when people go through a lot of challenging moments, for me, I think, Optimism is a really valuable thing because I don't think it's bad forever. I think that it's given to you. So you have to look at it and say, well, what is it trying to teach you? Because I, I do believe that we receive things when we're misaligned. When we have unrealistic expectations, I think we're sent almost a depression. And from the work that I did studying with John Martini, I... I when we are living a life, a, a, a life that's not congruent and true and real, when we're living a life that uh, we are having very unrealistic expectations. So you spoke a few moments, moments ago about like constantly wanting more, constantly wanting more. I don't live a life of constantly wanting more. When I get to a point of feeling unfulfilled, I ask myself why I feel unfulfilled. So I'm not going, I want more, I want more, I want more. Yes, I have financial goals. Yes, I have personal goals. Yes, I have, you know wealth got whatever it may be but i'm never going i'm dissatisfied i'm dissatisfied but when i get to a point where i start to feel a bit unfulfilled that's why three years ago marsh and i were in the kitchen and some friends were there and they said like, you're in your lovely house in north london like is this it i went more than likely not they didn't like hearing that marsh went what the hell do you mean but marsh was kind of like this is settled marsh my wife and she was saying, this is, I thought, and only this two months ago, she said to me, I really struggled when you said that. And I went, why? She goes, because I thought this is where we're going to be. And I went, depends where the wind blows. That's for me. Is Dubai home? Don't know. I haven't got a problem. Right now, 100%. My dad never liked that. Home, settled, investment, home. Forever home. Can't stand the word. Okay? Can't stand it. Reason being... To me, it's stopping. Could this be an investment I have, this home? Could we spend more time overseas? Could possibly. The reason, coming back to what you said, was when I feel unfulfilled, and I think this is when people feel unsettled, it's telling you something. And I think you need to be bold enough and brave enough to stop, open up Pandora's box, box and say, what is it telling me? Because I think a lot of people become very reactive with those moments. And they go, <gasps> and they don't look at... They suddenly look at all the downsides of that moment and then feed into that emotion. I also tell people to stop and look at what the benefit was. Somebody told me yesterday that um, they were very emotional with me, that their family had had a car accident when they were eight, nine years old. And uh, we spent a bit of time looking at the benefits of it because they were stuck in the emotion of the downsides of it. And after a while, he realized that it actually helped him in many areas of his life. And we started to have a very balanced perspective and it started freeing for that person. So I think a lot of people, when they hit a troubling time, 
their mind goes, this is the worst time of my life. This is downhill. And we're like, well, what can we learn? And what's the benefit for you? Then when you start to see a balanced perspective and go, right, now it's game time to get through it. That's where when I my head was down recently and I said to you at our event in Dubai recently, I was sat on the leg extension at the gym and I literally, Charlie, had no energy in me. My wife said, you got this. It took me probably half a day to then recreate the plan out of it. And I don't think people have a plan out of it. I think they stay in it. They wallow. They get more depressed. Then they get into the addictive state, whether it's drugs, drink, you know, staying in, hating on people, arguing on people. I sat with Marsh and I sat in the kitchen. We have a gin and tonic every Friday night. And I went, I need a plan out of this. She went, good. What is it? I went, this, 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 this. And then that taught me that, you know, still does every single time. Stop, reflect, helicopter above the situation, create a battle plan out because that turns you into the warrior. Because if you're in a battle and they start charging at you and you lie down and go, oh, I'm done. To me, it's about flipping it and going, right, what are we going to do? And I don't think people do that. I think they just lie down and give in and then it just destructs everything around them. But I actually lean into and love. I don't think I'll ever have something as bad as what happened to me this last year. And if I can get through that, throw whatever you want at me. And the other thing I'll say on that is I don't think people expect shit to happen. And when it happens, it derails them. But you can't go through life with unrealistic expectations that everything's good. Because I, th- I know it has to be bad. I've got more shit to come, more bad stuff to come. But I'm just getting really, really good at dealing with it when it comes. I think that's one of those things people don't understand. Is I think as you progress through life, your stress tolerance increases. So I had a really shit time. I spent this a few times in January where I think Wednesday I got divorced from my partner I'd been with for 14 years since I was 18. The day afterwards, I basically had to give away all my personal possessions, my house and everything I basically owned. The day after that, I was living in a hotel in Kingston five minutes before a podcast. My Instagram account got disabled. I was like, this is great fun. And almost what you said in terms of battle plan, the first thing I did was literally like map out, okay, what can I learn from this? How can I work around that? And then try and have a plan to it. Because the saying I really like is like action beats anxiety. And like the worst thing people can do is they go into like fear mode and just want to go hide under the duvet. Whereas I think in reality, you have to deal with things head on. And 11 months down the line from that, one big thing I've learned similar to you is in terms of like, if you dealt with all that shit that happens in one go really like intensely, that then makes you a much stronger person for say 2023 next year and life almost going from there. I think a huge lesson I've learned this year in something in terms of making big life changes and similar that you have done as well is that the two biggest factors in your life that will determine your success are the environment you're in and also the person you have a relationship with. So I remember obviously Dubai is an incredible environment and we can talk about that a bit shortly, but I remember some advice you gave me that was very paramount at the time was in terms of relationship is like, have you got the same values aligned? And I was like, fuck, maybe not. And that's where that's something that really hit me at the time and I something I've really thought about with my life going forwards that everyone who is in my life are you on the same ship as where I want to go are we setting sail in the same direction or am I like trying to drag you along in that little like dinghy behind me almost very very true I remember our conversation we stood in Benus and we yeah. were chatting on the way out I'll not forget that because it's um, I've had so many people that have been here for me and uh, with values and it's, it's something that changed my life and perspective is that throughout all my relationships in my life, the one thing I've tried to do with any partner I've been with is change them. Change them. The problem with you ch- when you try and change somebody is their default is anger. 
the way that what they're basically trying to do is their default when you go, you should be looking like this, you should be traveling here, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. Or the conflict, should I say, in terms of anger, the conflict is them reminding you that you should be respectful of theirs. If you're stopping being respectful of their values, it means that you're not compatible. Because my wife values different things to me. But there's one thing that I've listened to with my wife. I was going to Zone Gym, brilliant gym, North London, love it, still love it, great atmosphere, and you and I have trained there, and I used to watch my wife leave the house in the morning, jog across Alexander Palace and go to Zone Gym, now Zone Gym's lovely, right, in terms of training environment and people, but Marsh wasn't meeting people, she wasn't really, uh, I could tell, like, she's a sun person as well, just love the weather, the climate, so when we look at each other's values and I start talking to her, I was like, are you fulfilled here? I'm really happy here. Are you fulfilled here? You're really happy here. And the reason why we have our conversations on Friday night is because it's very easy for my values in business and everything I do to just be the Mark Colt show. Just literally crack on and do my thing. Whilst by the side of me, the person that's got her own values, she loves creativity, she loves travel, um, and, and she loves her training. So her creativity is her uh, website template business and graphic design business travel is the fact that if i can do my job but we travel a lot she will give me all the time in the world every day to work like she, if i was in my office she wouldn't come in if i was in there till half nine ten o'clock at night she wouldn't bother me i've made you food you want it now no you're right and she wouldn't say it's in the oven like some people do right and so what we have this thing in our relationship is if i understand her values and complement her values i can then do the thing that i want to do whenever i want to do it this is build a business, help people and, and fulfill my dreams. And so when I met Marsh, the funny thing was, not one part of me wanted to change her. Every part of me wanted to love every part of her. And I was like, wow, this is crazy for me because I've not ever been in a situation. So it, it made me realize that she loved personal development. She loved her, her own uh, kind of entrepreneurial flair of what she does, but she loves travel and she loves training. These are all very important things to me. I was very frightened when I met somebody that they would, my greatest fear in life, Charlie, was that I was going to meet somebody and they were going to take away my business in terms of my energy and my drive. Grant Cardone said this the other day. You may have seen this quote. Grant Cardone said to his wife when they first met, I'll give you monogamy. Have you seen it? Do you know what's even more to speak about this? I listened to this probably two hours ago. Good. Love this. I'll give you monogamy. I told it to Marsha a while ago. I'll never be with anybody else. I will give you everything materialistic you'll ever want and the best life you could ever dream possible. Just don't take away my mission. And I said to my NLP coach when I was 26, I won't meet a wife till I've built a body, a business, and a brain. The problem is I anchored that down. I anchored it hard. When I got to 38, I met Marsh. We went for a meal. And I came out of the meal. We had such a great night. We went to the Mayfair Hotel, had cocktails till three o'clock in the morning. It was amazing. And I woke up in the morning. I went, I really like her. And I rang my NLP coach after seven years of not really touching base. I said, I need your help. I think I've met the right person, but I'm not ready to let go. And she said, well, that's because you still think you need to build a body, body of business and a brain. I went, how do you remember that? And she goes, well, if you're ready to let go, we can begin. So I drove to Manchester had some NLP therapy and some energy releasing treatment. Um, got on the Kyber Pass, which is from Manchester to Nottingham, to, to the middle of Newark. And uh, I started crying on the lay-by. 
and all the energy and emotion that I'd locked for 10, 15 years, or 10 years, which was, I want to build a body, a business, and a brain before I meet a wife. And the funny thing is about all this is the fact that, you know, from my perspective, as soon as I unlock that and let myself free to open every, open myself up to somebody else, I now can have a body, a business, a relationship, and a wife. Do you know what I mean? And I think for so many people when it comes to, you know, their own lives and the values that they have, they drag people through life with them rather than being absolutely happy to do it on their own and roll through life. We don't have to be with a partner all the time. And, you know, I heard somebody say a while ago, like, they want to travel, they want to travel the world, they want to do this, they want to do that, but my partner won't come with me. It doesn't make you a bad human being to split up. Because that partner is with the wrong valued person at that time. Now the hard thing is, is that if you get that and your partner doesn't, they will more than likely be in pain for quite a while. However, I guarantee that in three, four, five years time, they'll have the best life possible. Because right now, whoever they're with, maybe your situation, you weren't right. I think that there's a lot of relationships that carry on when values change and people end up being together and forcing themselves together and become very, very unhappy, unfulfilled. And I can spot it a mile off with people. The work that I've done with personal development over the years, I can just see where people are, are fighting to stay together, but it doesn't make two human beings bad people to split up. And the split up doesn't mean I hate you. The split up just means I see a different person in you, like night and day. Ironically, I actually spoke to my ex-wife at the weekend and she said thank you. Whoa. Which for me was like, that was a like, like almost mentally scars me that conversation I had. I don't want to get to even talk about it, but like, was bad. But like, if I had to say that, made me feel a lot better. Because you freed her. Mm. And do you know what? And it makes me a bit emotional for you right now. <laughs> what did we expect this? Right? Like, and I said this to you and... Uh, you deserve to be happy and she deserves to be happy. And when you were together, neither of you were happy. But for her to say thank you to you makes me emotional for you both is that she's free and you're free. And I know that regardless of you, you as a human being, Charlie, regardless of what you want, you never want to hurt someone. And when you actually would have said to her, I think we're over, it wasn't, by the way, I hate you and I never want to speak to you again. It was... I know you're going to be better off with somebody else who can give you the love that I can't because our values aren't aligned, but it's hard telling somebody that that doesn't understand it. And then for her to actually say, thank you is a freeing moment where she's basically put you back in her heart. And I think that when we put people back in their hearts and I've had disagreements over the years, the only state of love, a place that we really or should be with anyone I've had, I've had resentment and fear of other people who are being successful and, you know, this imposter syndrome and then we don't like somebody because of their success. I've had all these emotions over the years. and But when you put everybody in a place of love, you just, it, it's just such a nicer place to be. You're not carrying emotion and, and bad energy. So the fact that you've had that said to you must be um, a very freeing, freeing feeling. 100%. And again, I think it's one of those things where, when I did it, it was a big commitment to myself in terms of like, this is the mission, this is the vision, this is what I want to achieve in life. And like, it's almost like breaking my previous self-identity to then create a new identity in yeah, terms yeah. of 100%. who I am now, which I think, like you talked earlier, that the biggest thing holding everyone back in themselves is them, in life is themselves. It's like, hence I've started working with a new mentor in terms of personal development, just to like improve my productivity, how I manage people, communication, everything. And like, 
that's where people have to understand no matter what level you ever get to, whatever's holding you back, whether it's in business or fitness, is yourself. It's your own mindset and the way you perceive and perceive problems. As soon as you can change that, then you can take it up to another level. Well, uh, I've not told a lot of people this, but um, for six months during lockdown, my dad died at the end of lockdown. And uh, you know how close my old man was to me. And uh, when I found out he got cancer, I said, this is going to, this is going to do me. I was really emotional on the stairs at home. And I was like, this is going to do me. I'm really, really controlled of my emotions. This is going to do me. So I reached out to Carissa, who's mentored me for quite a while in personal development. And I said, uh, I'm good at this stuff. And she was like, I'm not good at this one. In situations in life, much like training and prepping for your show, you're good at dieting and prepping. You needed a coach. Right, I'm 45 and I'd say I'd got my shit together. When this hit me, I didn't have the skills and bravery to look at the situation with my dad. And, and I say bravery, I'll run through walls, I'll build businesses, I'll have meetings, I'll, do, I'll run into any situation. But looking at how I perceived my dad dying was something I couldn't do on my own. So I reached out to Clarissa and um, we did five or six months and what I had to start doing which is a crazy thing to most people listening to this, I had to actually start looking at how beneficial my dad dying was going to be to me. Why? Because on one side, the loss of my dad could collapse me to the point where I would perceive that I couldn't carry on without him. And that's what happens to a lot of people when they, when they grieve. Grief is pain inflicted on yourself where you say that you can't live and carry on. So you stay in the moment of, God, we're never going to be able to go for a walk together again. Never we're going to talk about business again. We're not going to go to Twickenham again together. Like what happened, what creates the pain is the grief of loss. But I had to start looking at the gain. Since my dad passing away, I've nearly doubled my income because I've become more independent with finance and wealth and tax and money. Uh, I've reached out to people where I would normally ask him. And in all fairness, in doing so, uh, he actually was giving me okay advice, not amazing advice, because he's a bit old school in the way he was doing so. Tax, you'll pay it. So I was paying crazy tax. When I started speaking to tax people, they were like, he's old school. I'm like, Christ, thank God he's not here because I probably would have just stayed with him. So what started to happen with the personal development, you said that you're doing personal development. I don't sit, cry, and grieve over the loss of my dad because there's also gain. I became more independent with my wife, we're traveling, we're here. So many things that wouldn't have happened. And I truly do believe that him moving on was a, uh, a, a kind of a gift to me to help me level up. Because no one's going to be here forever. And I think what you talked about with personal development, people listening to this may be like, God, like it's so bad to just say you don't, I, I miss my dad incredibly, but I'm also grateful for what I've learned to be able to help me on my own moving forward. So the reason I say that to you is because you've just got a personal development coach to help you. I've spent a lot of many years with personal development coaches, but I attest that stuff to the ability why my marketing works, why my lead gen works, why my team management skills work. And you can go head on and learn, go into these things. I just don't think a lot of fitness professionals have the self-awareness and maturity in themselves to do a lot of the stacking because your, your work rate muscle 
And I'm sure you sit there sometimes going, how the hell have I done all this in such a short space of time? How do I train so hard? How do I love so hard? How do I, how do I work so hard? How do I do everything so hard? Because you've trained the muscle. And I talk about an analogy, I use an analogy called a coffee cup. So if you're watching this right now, I believe every day we wake up with an amount of emotional energy. And I feel your energy, your calm. It's a good energy to be around with you, right? But most people wake up with that stressed, tense energy, which basically means half their coffee cup is full of just negative self-doubt, low self-confidence, anger to people, resentment to people, fear, that they only have a small amount of energy to get stuff done. So by three or four o'clock in the afternoon, they're whacked. That's where I think this burnout bollocks comes from. I don't get burnt out. Do you? I get tired. I feel I I feel bad if I'm not working. I enjoy like for me work is not work it's play it's fun. I enjoy it. It's like chess. 100%. But but I get to the evening and I'm sitting on the sofa replying to messages, doing stuff, catching up with stuff. And I go, "Okay, you need to sleep because that's when you're productive once you've sleep, once you've had a sleep." I don't need to. Last night I could have happily kept going till 2 o'clock in the morning. No problem. But I wanted to train first thing this morning. My training is more important. Then you look at your priorities and you get to sleep. So I also respect my emotional energy. So going back to what I was saying about this is that for you and I, we wake up in control, happy, clear, fulfilled. Why am I moving to Dubai? Honestly, Charlie, I haven't felt the best I've done in my life as I do right now. I feel calmer. I feel happier. Our relationship is so different in an amazing way. And I'm waking up with this coffee cup that's empty and that's why I could probably keep going until two o'clock in the morning. I'd burn out, I'd get tired because I wouldn't sleep. But mentally wise, I've got so much energy. And I think a lot of fitness professionals as well, and anybody in life watching or listening to this, is they're waking up with so much unfulfillment and unhappiness and anger and resentment to things and people and their own emotions about themselves that they have a very little amount of energy to give to the rest of the day. So they're using this word like burnout. I'm exhausted, I'm tired. I'm like, you're a fitness professional. You're a whatever, it's an amazing thing that you've got. You're getting burnt out. You're getting absolutely exhausted, not because of what you're doing in a day. This is, this is screwed. And if you, you know, I, I can't fit in my lead gen during the day. I can't fit in my marketing during the day. I can't do the messages. I can't do this. You can't because you don't have the emotional energy to do it, not the physical energy. And I think there's a very big difference between emotional energy and physical energy. The body will keep going. But like on a hack squat, you give in before your muscles. And I think in business, you give in before your muscles. And I think they're exactly the same. So if I'm on the hack squat, I'll keep going. And I'll keep going. My brain won't give up. If the muscles are dead, Milos taught me this. The mind is the weakest thing in training. The muscles will keep going. Because the, the, the mind will give up before that. And Milos always used to say to me, and I learned this years ago, Mark, when you're training with people, don't look at their face. Look at the muscles because the muscles and the execution will tell you whether there's more in the tank because most people go, oh, I'm struggling. So when I feel this in business and I speak to people, they go, oh, I'm really struggling. I'm having long days and da, da, da. I'm like, what's going on with your personal development? What's going on with your life? What's going Because if we can collapse all that and give you some full energy, then we can crack on and develop the business. And that's, that's just such a massive thing to me. And so I'm constantly auditing the person to build the personal muscle. 
and then I can audit the business. But I think the other way around, a lot of people go straight into the strategies, the lead gen, the marketing. For the entrepreneurial scalability people, still it's a big problem because people that are earning, say, 10 or 15K, they've not developed that muscle yet. 90% of scaling problems are personal development problems. They've not got what it takes. They watch you and see go, they go, wow. They watch us grafting and doing everything we do. They join a program and then I'm going, you got to do this. They go, I can't. I can't. And then you see the same problems. And that's why this keeps coming back to self. And that's why I think that the number one thing in our industry that people could do to get ahead, no matter how hard you is and how much you've got to look inside Pandora's box, is just learn you and get in control of you. And if that means hiring a personal development coach like we've both done, do it. But it's a brave thing because you're going to open up a Pandora's box. It's going to tell you a lot of things that's kind of buried that's stopping you get ahead. And I think that's key. For me, I think the greatest tool is self-awareness. And that's a skill you learn over time. Like even I put it on my Instagram yesterday on the stories. Like I've printed a couple of things. I've stuck in my bathroom mirrors. Like I just look at every day when I brush my teeth. And like one of them is like, what am I doing today and why? And like, uh, what did you do yesterday? Could you have done better? What did you do great yesterday? Just to try and like think and reflect on what you're actually doing. Like, what's the purpose of what I'm doing today? Like, why am I actually doing this? Do I need to be doing this? And when you start to try and think deeper about why you're taking these actions every day and who you're speaking to and who's in your network, I think you then become much more aware about being in alignment with the mission of what you should be doing rather than what you shouldn't be doing. The quality of your life depends on the quality of the questions that you ask. Mm. And I just... Questioning yourself every day, being self-aware. Once you've got questions and it comes with answers, you can take action. And that's like you just said. I just don't think people question what they're doing. I think they're on autopilot. Yeah, that's that. That's that self-awareness, as you've just said. Um, because if you were more self-aware, you'd ask better questions. Am I giving enough in the gym today, or am I just doing a workout? All right? Am I, you know, am I committing to the things? That's that whole thing of confidence, right? Confidence is gained when you commit to the things that you say you're going to do. But most of the time, people just don't follow through. So they're just all taught, right? Interesting in terms of example of self-awareness. We spoke about this before the podcast. Like, I screwed up my diet last couple of days beforehand, but I'm self-aware enough to tell Darren, who's coaching me, to be like, because I know I need to kick up the ass to bring me back in line, which worked, and he did give me a kick up the ass. Like, if you want to be a pro, you need to hold yourself to pro standards, stop eating cookies and being a twat. Like, and that's where it comes down to being self-aware of understanding yourself your own behavior and what's going to pull you back into alignment with what you should be doing mm. rather what most people do when they start to go sit on a diet they start going off the track they stick their head under the like, pillows and hope nothing's happening just don't tell anyone rather than like taking the aggressive approach with it like getting someone to read in the right act to pull them back in line and i think that for me is one of an example of why coaching is so important because as human beings we inherently don't want to let other people down so being accountable to someone else who you respect is a truly powerful thing to help you to go to another level whether it's within your fitness or within your business. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, there's a lot of people that say that mentoring and coaching is crap. I think that's because they're either, they're either saying that from an environment that they've never had it, but um, your parents are mentors. Sometimes not very good. I was gonna say good or bad. Correct. That's what I think is a big problem, is that we, we are bought up and very often see who we spend time with, and this is where I get on to mentors that will really catapult your head. Your early stages of mentoring is your parents and then school teachers. The system in the UK is very much governed around school. Teachers aren't wealthy. They're not entrepreneurial. I don't know whether the government likes the independence that entrepreneurs have. 
And as such, the people that are guiding us up until 17 are very often not wealthy. Their systemed approach to a certain level, unless your parents are very, very, very successful, you're also being brought up in an early stage by people with possibly very challenging values of can't have, must do, if they're older school values, you must go to college, you must go to university. So whenever we are being told to do certain things, that's affecting our conscious or subconscious, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's embedding those beliefs, values in us. So we're young, we're impressionable, we're listening, and this is how you should be, this is what you should do. I genuinely do feel that the place somebody's at in their life is a reflection of the values that have been imprinted to the early doors. And I think as we go older, let's say you get to 17 to 18, the self-awareness you said and asking, okay, is, is what I've been taught right now, like at school, I genuinely was saying to myself, I just don't think any of this is valuable at all. And the reason being is I genuinely don't rate schooling. Agreed. Genuinely don't rate schooling. And the reason I don't rate schooling, and it's a big question to have with my wife, you know, um, around children and education. Uh, the only thing that was valuable about my education really was the environment of the people I spent time with at school. Uh, I think that, uh, and I learned this years ago, which was fascinating. People say that they can't remember stuff. They, they're not retentive. The parents say they're thick. I was labeled thick for years. I was thick in your eyes because you were just teaching me stuff that I didn't enjoy. Or care about. Care. I didn't care about biology, chemistry, physics, history, because no one showed me that there was any relative to it, to the stuff I was interested. If you taught me physics was important in sport, if you told me that biology was going to be helpful in understanding the body, if you told me that maths was going to help me, you know, I didn't care about wealth then. So to be honest, if you told me it was all relative to my body, then at 15, I started lifting weights. If you taught me relative to the lifting weights thing, that some of this stuff's of value to you, I'd have learned different. I just don't think we do anything to help children. You know, if you see like my nephew, um, Oliver loves arts and crafts and it just fascinates me that in school if they could pick up on that and then direct him to doing the stuff aligned with his arts and crafts I think he'd learn a lot quicker but it's like no you shouldn't be doing that because you should be focusing on this and then you're labeled as having a problem do you know what I mean and I think I was labeled with the similar problems at school he's just not good he's disruptive he's annoying I'm like I'm trying to remind you that I don't enjoy this shit and I think that 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 challenges me because the, the, the schooling system and the values uh, and, and kind of, you know, going back to what we were saying about mentors, we're talking about values, is that you're basically given a load of values as a young child. And depending on where you are now is depending on whether you've just asked good enough questions to yourself and unraveled those and said, right, now it's time to find out my own values. And when I actually realized, Charlie, in my life, and this, here's, here where, here's where I realized what my values were. I was working for my dad as a property investor. And I came down to his office one day in Birmingham and uh, I said, Dad, I think it's time for me to leave. He goes, why? I said, I've I got to pursue something for myself. I don't want to be in your shadow. So I went to university and after a year of being at university in Sheffield, because I thought I had to become a surveyor because that's what it was in the family. I spent nearly every day at Green's Gym in Sheffield. And uh, I was just there, Charlie, and I was like, I love this. I love being in the gym, I love lifting, I love being, I was getting leaner, I was suddenly becoming uninspired with rugby, because lifting in the gym was more important to me at 18, 19, sorry, 23, and I, I, I came back from university one day, I went into my dad's office, I said, dad, I want to be in fitness, because I'd realized what I value, 
And I think at that 23 years of age, I suddenly realized at that point that I want to do the things that I value the most. And I don't care whether I look like the black sheep in the family. And I do believe in my family that uh, how I've behaved and how I've operated will be perceived as black sheep. Not perceived as black sheep, should I say. It's perceived as being very different. Leaving your family, going to Dubai, becoming a bodybuilder, going on stage. Do you know what I mean? All these things kind of go out the norm of my family. Like going to university, getting a degree, working in a either corporate or whatever. So to me, going back to the mentorship level is I did the self-mentoring to start with to undo what I perceived everybody think I should be. Then I was like, okay, cool. If, if that's what I love, who are the people out there in the world that are doing things aligned with my values that I can learn from? Charles Poliquin. I just looked at him and went, jacked, great business, making a lot of money, helping a lot of people, learn from you, five years. Just literally sponged everything I could off him. And I think when I watched Charles, people asked me about my standards. My father had high standards. But when I saw Charles and I thought saw who he was and what he had achieved, and Charles had ab insane standards. But the one thing he did more than anything was obsess over reading and research. At that point, I had never studied anything, Charlie. The, the first time I really studied anything was my level three at personal training diploma. Then when I saw Charles Poliquin and he just lifted all these books, I went, I think... To be successful, you need to read. And he lifted off books and I just read them all. Kept reading and reading and reading and reading. And then I was like, okay, cool. Charles Polycoon's a mentor. If this guy's got me to here, I have to do more mentoring. And I just don't think enough people in the fitness industry respect that. Charles Polycoon, I watched him one day and I went, I admire your standards. I wrote about it in my book. I admire your standards. I, I admire the fact you're jacked. Christian Thibodeau was there, jacked out of his eyeballs. It looked amazing you know and he was like yeah and I could just see him training in the gym and I was just like that's amazing and what you're doing when you watch that and you get this feeling of I love that is it's reinforcing to you that that's what you really 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 love so I saw Charles jacked Christian Thibodeau jacked training strong Charles was learning and he had an amazing reputation and I think when people see that and they get an emotional like a real fluttery of this is amazing it's inspiration you're inspired and if I want that then go and get it and and I think that that's where the mentoring comes in because anyone if you if you follow that true north of where you want to get to they'll guide you and I think why would you waste time trying to get there if someone could just help you for me the point of a good mentor is to take you from A to B as quickly as possible and bend time and I think as soon as I associate that in my brain with like even from fitness business working with you other people like you start to see the success that comes with that you're like fuck this is the secret yeah because that is the secret to get ahead quickly same with training though it's the same thing right if you get the best advice you get the best results and then it compounds on top of itself so why would you not do it but my big thing that I see and I don't know if you would agree with this is that there's something about British culture in particular like, I remember, like, telling my parents, I think maybe, like, age, maybe not even working with you or whoever, like, that I'd hired a mentor. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why do you need someone to, like, tell you to do this stuff? You're a smart guy. It's like, yeah, but he knows more than I do. So, like, I will learn faster and move faster. Yeah, yeah. Like, how can people not understand that? And I think that's a, a limiting belief that people have within British culture. And we're British, so we can say that. Whereas if you look at, like, Americans and Canadians and much love more growth, they fucking love, love spending it. money on themselves investing and, like, and improving themselves. And that's why I have so much respect for Americans and Canadians because they also have a culture where, like, They'd rather you went out and tried to create a business and it failed than you just stayed at home and stayed safe and you did the nine to five. Whereas right. I want fuck average, I want to be fucking exceptional. And if I blow up trying to do it, at least I'm going to have a crack. And I think America led the way for us. Yeah. You, like, here's the deal. I, I thought that the, the medical world in the UK was just, didn't inspire me. I went and learned from the Institute of Functional Medicine off the back of learning from Charles. 
And I suddenly realized that they're so further ahead. Then I went over to the States and I looked at sports medicine. Then I went over to the States and looked at, at, at training facilities. And I was like, UK is rubbish. I'm not sitting here putting the UK down. But what I mean is that, that when, you, when I was over in America, I traveled there a lot. I was just seeing things done better and people wanting to get there faster and people also celebrating success. I don't think that that's something in the UK that people do very well. You get shot down for being successful. Very, sometimes. very shot down. And even in the short space of time that I've lived here, relative to how many times I've visited here, anyone that I've spoken to is just excited and, and, and supportive of what you're trying to achieve. Even when I went to America, it was like, hey, man, cool, what do you do? That sounds sick, bro. Uh, bro. And you're like, wow, they're happy, they're happy about this. So if I could look back at my America days, they were all buzzing and happy. If I could look back at the mentoring, they were just delighted to help you. And I think Charles paved the way for courses and mentoring and travel in, in our industry because I know Paul Check was doing a lot then. Those kind of guys kind of made it accessible for us to learn. But Charles, I didn't just learn education. What I think you get from a mentor is that you watch them. And to be honest, I came back from Charles's seminars and I kind of changed who I was for a little bit. And then I went, okay, cool. Don't change to be like Charles, change to be like you. Uh, and I think that's a learning thing because when you learn with mentors, you try and adapt to be like them. But now we've noticed that uh, I'd say the UK, maybe not so with everywhere, but especially in the fitness industry, the whole idea of having a mentor is, uh, is one that's a lot more open and people are more open. There's a lot of people doing it. And uh, good on everybody who's doing it. Uh, and just make a good decision for yourself, you know, as opposed to just jumping in feet first. The first thing I'd say to anyone who wants to know the secret to anything success, that would be my secret, be modeling. Go to someone who's done what you want to do, pay them to teach you. That's how you get heard. Yeah. One last question to finish up the podcast, Mark. What advice would you give to yourself at 18 years old? <sighs> Listen listen and if you're listening to the podcast i'm pointing at my heart it's a really powerful thing it will tell you what you're inspired by is where you should head towards the north star what makes you feel good what makes you feel happy is where you'll be the most focused happy and controlled and i between 18 and probably 15 and 18 was probably my most unhappiest, up to 23. From 23 to 25, I got involved in drugs heavily, uh, recreationally, socially. I was lost. I'd say my biggest lost phase was probably 16 to 23. I don't think I knew me properly till 30. Because I was really, really lost. But the funny thing is, at 15, I started lifting weights. And the only time in the day when I was the happiest was when I was pumping iron. I had at home Dexter Jackson on the wall. I had the meal replacement shakes. I had everything. I had the baggy trousers at 18. I was tiny, but I had the baggy trousers, the bodybuilding 80s baggy trousers. And what was in front of me all the time, Charlie, was lifting. And I just didn't notice it. Now, I'm not saying I did anything wrong, but around you every single day, it's very, very clear what you love the most because it's around you all day. Take notice of it. Don't ignore it. Because around me every day between 15 and 23 was training. But I didn't think that I could turn that into a career. I think that anyone nowadays with the way the world is 
can turn whatever they're the most passionate about. I remember Dean Graziosi and Tony Robbins were saying that, you know, their whole thing about education is you can become very wealthy at the thing that you love. And that's why they go after people that haven't even got a degree in tech. But if they love tech, they become amazing at tech without even having a degree because they'll just sit there and they'll learn it. And all I did was sit and read bodybuilding books between the age of 18 and 23. And if I realized that that was okay to do the thing that I loved, I maybe have started a bit earlier, but I think I had to learn a lot about myself. So I'm not, I don't have any regrets, but it's just, if there's something around you love, it is trying to tell you that that's the thing that you should follow towards your North Star. So I would listen to that a bit more. It's a very solid advice, Mark. Thank you. Uh, it was an incredible podcast. So if everyone watching and listening to this, make sure you share it through Instagram stories, tag both myself and Mark, and we'll repost and retag you. Uh, and if you're listening to this on YouTube, uh, make sure you subscribe, drop a comment below with any other questions and who you'd like on this next guest. And thank you very much for today, Mark. It's last. Thank Bloody. you. Thank you, my man. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Now, if you're an online fitness coach or trainer or you're PT in the gym, and if you're serious and you want to scale your online coaching program to six or seven figures or more, if you click the link below the podcast and below the video, you can book in a free call with myself and the CJ coaching team with one of our scaling experts, and we'll build you out the blueprint for you to exactly get there. So make sure you get booked in for that if you're looking to grow your online fitness business to six, seven figures or more, like we have at CJ coaching. And we'll see you in the next episode of the podcast very, very soon.